Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. Where are we? In the village. Talking about episode four. Or no, no, no episode numbers. I refuse. No numbers. We are not. <laughs> we are not numbers. We are free podcasters. Yes, um, <laughs> and we are talking about free for all. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth episode of the Blu-ray and the fourth in broadcast order. But whatever order you choose to listen to this podcast or watch the series, the fourth in UK slash US broadcast order. Let's be clear. <laughs> Do we ever find out where this? aired in Canadian broadcast? I don't think we did. did oh, we? didn't we? I think it's on the list. I don't know. It's probably there were a few on the that, list. There were a few that were missing, but uh, yeah, it was only ten in the original broadcast, so there are seven that didn't. Thirteen in the original Canadian broadcast. Were there? I thought there were only ten. Thirteen. 13? Okay, well, then there were a few were missing. Yeah. Um, although, for, I remember we tried, or I tried to show you the alternate order. The first time we watched this way back when, whatever it was, like a year ago, and I remember trying to sort of adhere to a lineup. I don't remember which one it was. It might have been the six for one uh, official appreciation society preferred order. And in doing so, jumping around between discs and everything, I forgot all about free for all. We originally watched this one for you, like literally thirteenth, <laughs> maybe fourteenth. So I was I was curious because I remember you not thinking that much of it at that time. Um, and maybe because it sort of came a lot later than originally intended, um, but I'm not too sure. Anyway, have I delayed long enough for you to find the correct Canadian mm-hmm. running order? Yes, uh, in Canada, Free For All was the third episode instead of the fourth. Um, I feel like it felt like a second or third episode, so I, I'm with Canada on this one. So, yeah, I feel like... No, honestly, I feel like this should have been second, and A, E, C should have been third. That's, I mean, it was third in yeah. the UK airing order. Why do you think this should have played as early as second? Well, I feel like it, it just, it feels so early. It feels like he is very raw in his performance and his reaction to being in the village. Um, probably still, it seems like he's still trying to figure things out. He's just heard about this, the election thing. And is kind of confused by it. He is not trusting of actually maybe maybe third is good because we've got him not trusting a woman, and that's probably <laughs> right. <laughs> um, that's probably not a bad thing for like a third episode where he's had that a couple of times. Um, I still think the Chimes of Big Ben should be much later, uh, but that's just me. And well, me and Canada. <laughs> and yeah, it just his his. Just raw anger at the village and at all of the people who are here, you know, who have, you know, chosen your fate. His whole speech about, like, these people who have, you've gotten used to it and, you know, you find me here. Who are the, who are the prisoners? Who are the wardens? I'm Mm going to find out. That's the kind of thing that, like, he immediately sort of decided to figure out once he got there. And I think he's still very, he feels new. He feels like he's, he's a recent, a recent, uh graduate is not the right word. Attendee. Attendee, yeah. Recruit? Yeah, I don't know. Prisoner. Yeah. He is the yeah. prisoner. Yeah. Let's go back to the title of the show. Yeah, so anyway, that's why. I, th- I think a fourth is is early enough. I think he's had a couple of, you know, arrival. It seems too soon for me to be after arrival to find out, oh, I guess we have elections here, because he doesn't really, he hasn't really seen how, in his eyes, authoritarian mm-hmm. this 
village is. Okay, I right. I guess fourth I don't think is necessarily too early. I think it's just being after both of those other episodes that's the problem as right. opposed to... It's not so much the proximity to the beginning, it's that the other episodes that came before didn't quite feel like the tone was right for it to then snap back to this. Possibly. I In watching this show now, and looking at the Blu-ray menu in front of me, and thus mm-hmm. I can visualize everything, I find that Chimes of Big Ben and A, B, and C, apart from the, these fantastical trappings that A, B, and C sort of have, I, I find that both are kind of a little more, shall we say, accessible? Less weird, you know? Mm-hmm. But Chimes of Big Ben, I think, is probably the most... Um, Straightforward. Straightforward, thank mm-hmm. you. Kind of, I, I, Perhaps I'm wondering if maybe they put those two early on to sort of try to, you know... Lure people in with a false sense of security as to <laughs> the fact that, oh yes, what you're watching is going to be a perfectly normal television program. Yeah. You can sit down and watch that and not be worried about what you're going to see, you know, expanding your mind or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, TV... <laughs> yes, TV broadcasters trying to hoodwink mm-hmm. its viewers. Yep. That, that's been a long-standing tradition since the 1940s. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. you always... The, you always plan for the first few episodes to be something that's going to hook and, and reel them in, and then you can go off in different directions later if you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At any rate, it's the fourth episode, free mm-hmm. for all. Um, yes. And we finally do get something that's a little bit weird and trippy. I don't think this episode is inaccessible, no. but, but I do think that it is the most sort of psychedelic that we have seen so far with the set piece of the council just stand there and say absolutely nothing and number two bangs his gavel and says motion carried unanimously and and then the, the lights flashing and the spinning. Anything with spinning around <laughs> and lights flashing, that is automatically just trippy psychedelic weirdness uh, from from well from any show really. And yes. And then being zipped downstairs and having to walk his way along a room using like because well, he's been dizzy. Well, he's been dizzy, yeah. So it's obviously set up for someone. Okay, it, right. it spins down into the ground into this weird bureaucratic mm-hmm. nightmare. Yeah, yeah. But the the touch that it spins down into the ground into a place where he has to get through an entire hallway to get to the next thing that he has to do is. I mean, they could have just put the guy with the chair in that room directly beneath, but no, they need to stretch out the sort of mental anguish and confusion of this poor person, and they don't give him. I don't know, uh, a walkway that moves, you know, like a people mover, like at the airport or something like that, with a handle. I mean, it could just be, honestly, it could just be a handrail, like a regular old handrail uh-huh. along the wall or the floor. No, he has to reach out for those obnoxious, strappy things that they have in buses. I mean, it's a good thing he's as tall as he is. There are I, a lot of people I know, notice in Edmonton, who are just too short to use those things on the bus and have to, like, you know, either find a seat or move someplace where they can hold on to a pole or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I'm not a big fan of those those things. <laughs> so so the fact that he has to try to like stumble from one to the other, hold himself up, and then he does kind of a ridiculous fall, uh, very slow right. and flippy at the end of it. Um, He's dizzy. Yep. No, I'm, I'm not... He is dizzy. No, he's not. I'm talking about the actor's fall. Ah. I don't think the actor was dizzy at the No, point. he's playing dizzy, though. Mm-hmm. After spinning that as much as he was and going down. I'm saying if, you yeah. really, if you're really falling, you're not falling in that kind of slow motion ah. to, like, cushion yourself. It was... Right. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a stunt guy, so uh-huh. good for him for 
falling yeah. at all. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so just this this goes to show that this place is really, really weird. Oh, we'll get to other weird stuff. <laughs> um, this uh, this is what is so great about the prisoner in, in that it it provides allegory and metaphor and protest, I find. Um, but it doesn't, it's not playing on like contemporary or, you know, what was current at the time. It's sort of like attacking the concept of things. And this, this is obviously attacking the concept of elections and politics mm-hmm. and everything. And because it's a more general sort of broadside to it, I find you can apply it to anything Mm-hmm. Even today, and mm-hmm. in light of last year's American election, this this just yeah mm-hmm. a whole new a whole new meaning. Everybody votes for the dictator. Like that was one of the lines. Like because yeah, that's they they think that's that's great because what else are they going to do? Mm-hmm. That's kind of yeah. That's where we are. Yeah, less work. Thinks long and hard, and more play. That's mm-hmm. what they'll do with all the spare time. You know, mm-hmm. all those sort of things. It's uh, yeah. What do you think of the election angle? Of this uh, this whole thing. I I thought it was fascinating to to have have that be one of the things that they use, a tactic that they use to try to put him off balance, mm-hmm. to try to set him up for power. Um, and that's another reason I think that this needs to be an early-ish episode because he needs to not know too much about what's going on in order to believe mm-hmm. that there's any chance that he can actually be um, elected as number two and have any real power to do anything or change anything. I mean, I, I suspect he's smart enough to, to think that that's not, there's not a very good chance of it, because, right. but he is in, invested in taking it anyway because he wants to give it a shot. And I feel like after a few more episodes of dealing with nonsense of this sort, he'd probably be to a place where he wouldn't even play along or wouldn't, you know, jump at it quite mm-hmm. as enthusiastically as he does. So I'm I'm of the mind that yeah, this does need to be kind of Yeah, he's he's angry at everything mm-hmm. in these early episodes and wanting to either escape from the village or bring it down himself. Mm-hmm. I think we find in later episodes he's not necessarily accepting of his position mm-hmm. in the village, but he's going at it in a different mm-hmm. method. Well, I mean, he's a spy. He's a super mm-hmm. spy. They are also spies and super spies or some sort of organization. They are trying different tactics to get the information from him that they need. You know, one way doesn't work, they go at it a different way. So it makes sense that he, as a super spy, uh, starts off going at it one way, like just, you know, anger, trying to escape and stuff, and then and then maybe be, decides to put some of those spy skills to work and try to figure out another way to to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I like this episode a lot because of the political allegories and everything mm-hmm. about how, you know, the, the reporters hop on there and they're both the same as mm-hmm. 113 and 113B. And, <laughs> and they've basically produced, you know, they're, they're speaking for him, no comment, no comment, all that. And then the second mm-hmm. he gets off the, his, out of his car, mm-hmm. it's in the papers already, mm-hmm. you know, pre-written up. Number two, number six speaks his mind, which, I, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. Yeah, that was hilarious. I also thought that the camera guy, when he had the camera up and you could only see his eyes and the hat, I just totally thought it looked like Bobby Flay. 
who has quite possibly never heard of The Prisoner. I would, I would be surprised if, if Bobby Flay turns out to be a big fan of The Prisoner. I will be shocked. Um, but anyway, just that young Bobby Flay there mm-hmm. as, the, uh, as the paparazzi. Yeah. Paparazzo. Paparazzo. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the... Um, uh, I, I just like, you know... He, I was now with the big, the big light that was sort of shining and kind of like putting him in his place, both in the sort of the council meeting and um, in number two's office there. The blue, yeah, was that number one? Do you think? Oh, number one, um, exerting influence via this blue light could be. I've always thought so. I wonder what you think. That did not occur to me at all, um, because. When number two was saying, you know, well, I think you did this for the right reasons, I'd like to give you the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, this is just after the light's gone off. You know, mm-hmm. the, something to the effect of the rules of our council or the rules of our democracy say this needs to happen. He starts spinning and going now. Mm-hmm. So I didn't take it as this was number one inserting influence. I took it as this is just, you know, they're playing it by the book. And every time he does something that goes off piste, the, that's when the blue light will go off. When there's just when he's he's doing something that is not okay, basically, like, by, the, by the rules of the system. Right by the rules of that system. It's kind of like when you're playing that uh, that game taboo and you say a word you're not supposed to say, and mm-hmm. the person who's watching you uses that little um, buzzer thing to go. Eh. Right. Like, I felt like that was that blue light was the eh mm-hmm. of the village. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, I can see that. Mm-hmm. What else in this episode? Um, what, yes. <laughs> were you yawning or were you... Uh, no, no, I was trying to get your attention. Yeah, yeah. We were looking at screen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that... Well, I don't know if I like the fact, but I noticed the fact um, that this is an episode in which he wears his number. It is not the it's not the usual penny-farthing placard with a number on it. Uh-huh. It's the, I'm going to vote for this character. I'm going to vote for this person. Thing. But still, he's wearing a circular thing that says six on it. Uh, and it's also kind of interesting that number two has the same kind of things. His are white. Number yep. sixes are black. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously on purpose. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the um, the butler carrying the black and white umbrella appears many times in this episode. Mm-hmm. Never letting you forget that... Your basically, this is the roof of the village. Mm-hmm. I think is the metaphor that's that he's carrying throughout this whole thing. And notice how how when uh, number two is doing his speech uh, to a smattering of people, mm-hmm. that uh, that it's um it's uh, the butler holding the umbrella over him as opposed to number six, mm-hmm. which is kind of the way it's sort of been sort of been a reminder to number six that he's been here forever. But um, mm-hmm. it all of a sudden looks like it's number two. Maybe mm-hmm. I mean I guess I was just thinking that. It's raining. <laughs> no, I was no. Although that'd be funny. Uh, it, it is Wales. That's possible. That's true. No, I was just thinking that he was holding it up over number two because number two is the establishment. Like he's the the old uh, guard. Uh-huh. So that's that's who has the umbrella now. You never actually see the umbrella held over number six uh-huh. um, because number six isn't in charge until like the end, and then that's he right. gets slapped around a bunch. But. But yeah, I I did notice the umbrella during that scene when he's giving the speech because there's cutting back and forth, so I don't know how long any of those takes were. But just from holding an umbrella over you a few months ago at the uh, Heritage <laughs> Fest when it was raining and you were trying to eat your food, yeah, um, I feel so bad for that actor having to hold an umbrella, which was probably much heavier than ours. Yeah. It looked like it was wood. 
up. I wonder if maybe he was like resting his arm on on the back of number two, like the, of that actor, just to keep it up there because the whole head must have been really tiring. Poor Angela Muscan, mm-hmm. the actor's name, appears in all episodes of The Prisoner, basically, uh, and also appeared as a Chumbly in Galaxy Four. <gasps> in that case, he's amazing. He's amazing, and I think he died kind of young. I think he died not too long after the prisoner, actually, in the early 70s or something like that. You know, perhaps from holding umbrellas all the time. <laughs> Dangerous work. Yeah. Should have gotten hazard pay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that um, after number six wins, like, they're all, you know, for him and everything, and they're all cheering wherever he goes, and the second he wins, like, silence. Like, you know, the honeymoon period, it's exactly zero seconds. Mm-hmm. And now he's just the establishment. And now they're against him because that's mm-hmm. what one does against mm-hmm. the establishment. Mm-hmm. And he's sort of trying to bathe in the <laughs> adulation that I, that doesn't exist at Listener, all. Listener, Stephen is waving. I'm I'm waving like he was. He was mm-hmm. sort of waving like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, you're exactly right. I don't know if it was outright animosity or just we don't care. Um, yeah. Maybe a combination of the two. Either way. Um, but uh, jumping back, I wanted to point out his uh, his escape attempt when the uh, the drugs I, what I get out of this is that they are giving him some sort of drugs and some kind of mind treatment to make uh-huh. him pliable and make him try to win the election and my like first of all I don't really understand what the point of that is except to maybe just throw him off like here here take some drugs and try to be one of us and win the election and they wear off and here take some more and try to and then at the end they just slap him out of it um, I don't know if they were hoping that one of those would actually take and he would just become one of them, but I don't think so because the guy is saying, one of the guys is saying, oh no, this is measured perfectly to last through the election. Mm-hmm. So they knew it was going to wear off once the election was over. So I didn't understand that part of it. But I think they wanted to get him involved in the election process because he was obviously not, you know, he was he was running for office by dishonest means, so to speak. I think there's the, the, the battle between whether he's honestly going for, you know, that weird little circle and square yeah. going towards his mind there and stuff. And there was a battle between his truth and his ulterior motives going. And I think they wanted him to believe that he was running for office because he wanted to run for office and not, yeah, to help. And then sort of snap him out of it and then see that, oh, hey, you are now in power. Um, do what you want now. You can do that. And to have his illusion shattered to the point where then perhaps he would just tell all after that, knowing that he has ascended to the top of the Mohet of the mountain, Everest, if you will. It's referenced very early on in the episode. Uh, and seeing if he fall down the steps of incidentally, is written and directed under a pseudonym written, I should say, mm-hmm. by Patrick McEwen himself. Oh, yeah. really? Interesting. Well, uh, then that brings me to my other point about uh, that when the medicine wears off, the drugs wear off, and he tries to do his escape thing and uh, steals the boat and is yeah. out on the water. And I'm, um, it, I think that it, that's another reason for it to be really early in the run because it feels like a spy show. And I think... I think the the whole thing about being a spy uh-huh. is is another thing that's kind of important to pull people in because that's that's important, you know. <laughs> An action sequence. There, there's like, there's a couple of action sequences I find, mm-hmm. you know, yep. like the the one at the end there where he gets beaten up by people, 
and then mm-hmm. run back to yeah, the but that's, That wasn't as much an action spy kind of sequence. That was more just, uh, you know, mm-hmm. it, it was, the boat was much, it felt much more James Bond. Is this? <laughs> Whoa, what? Uh, okay, the reason we're laughing is because as you can hear, suddenly now we're on the right microphone. My speech patterns got very slow there and sort of robotic because I was looking at the screen and going, wait a minute, that waveform does not look right. And that, uh, people wanting to start a podcast at home, is why you use a uh, proper microphone as opposed to just the one that's built into your laptop. Mm -hmm. Thus ends the demonstration. Yeah. It's all planned the whole time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it sounds like when you use the wrong microphone. Yeah. Or use a not good microphone. So anyway, now we're we're talking properly. But but we are staying on brand. We are committed to you as our listeners <laughs> to the Lazy Doctor Who podcast. Yep. So we did not go back and re-record anything. Oh. You you get what we recorded. Windows open and cars driving by and all. <laughs> yeah. We are that lazy. It's just like it was live. Mm-hmm. Just like it was live. Yep. Anyway, well, uh, what were we talking about? We we're talking about like the action adventure stuff or something. I, don't I was talking about the boat scene, and now that yeah. I can concentrate, I can say that that felt very, very sort of James Bondy. Uh, the fact that Patrick McGowan directed this episode does not surprise me at all because he got to be like superstar and punching guys off of boats. I actually remembered that sequence from the first time that we watched this. Uh-huh. It, maybe in part, perhaps because we watched it so late, accidentally. But uh, but yeah, I. I really enjoyed that. I'm not usually a fan of action sequences, but that one was that one was delightful. Really, yeah. I, I liked it because the the one uh, the one um, hoodlum is about to finish off number six, and when number two goes, careful now, don't damage him, and that distracts him enough for number six <laughs> to throw him into the water, which I thought was amusing. Yeah, it was. There were every piece of that was was kind of amusing or just you know badass tough guy, and then. He, uh, I, th- I feel like we found something out about Rover there. Has Rover been named or do we just call it that? I think um, they call him in a f- Rover in a future episode, but only once. And I've always just sort of assumed that's kind of like a- as a joke, but but he's it- it's canonized. He is called Rover, I think, in the scripts and everything. It, it sorry. Yeah, yeah it. Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Let's not gender, uh, yeah. gender a balloon. Um, <laughs> the, uh, so, yeah, Rover, the giant uh, white balloon thing. Mm-hmm. We see, um, we see our hero number six tossed into the water. He falls in and is trying to swim away. And Rover, Rover doesn't even get all that close to him, and he st- suddenly starts like going slowly. And it like it looks like he's being drugged somehow, or like that there's some sort of relaxation field or something, a numbing field that yeah. that emanates from Rover. And because of that, he slows down so much that it's able to take him under the water and. We get those weird, freaky scene sequences of his face being smushed in and all that. Yeah, and, he, and then he starts reciting his speech, mm-hmm. basically another election speech, that kind of thing. Yep. So, so yeah, Rover has some uh, mind-altering capabilities, I believe. Mm-hmm. Possibly, uh, which might explain why there was a smaller Rover being watched by four guys in sunglasses <laughs> in that last scene. Not only a smaller rover, a smaller rover that is lit from within uh, in the corner. That is one of my favorite moments, maybe of all of the prisoner. (laughs) Just this random little thing that happens off to the side that isn't explained. It's just a it's just a bit of weirdness Mm -hmm. and doesn't it doesn't impact 
anything else that's happening in the episode. Those guys don't even get up and start like helping fight or anything. They do hold them. They do hold them when they get beaten up at the end of that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I was hoping that they didn't do anything except just sit there and then just turn back around and, mm-hmm. and look at Rover. Okay. Slightly less exciting. But still, that's just very weird and, and funny. I like the randomness of that. I wonder if it's the watchers of the watchers, so to speak. Because Rover mm-hmm. being sort of the police of the village and mm-hmm. those guys were the people who watched the police for whatever reason it was a very weird scene but it's not like they can see anything that we can tell although who knows maybe those sunglasses show them images in their brain or something i don't know it's a in in this show anything could be possible so pick your headcanon and just go with it yep that's 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 how the that's how the prisoner works yeah you make up your own you fill in the gaps basically it provides the basic framework for you to weave whatever you choose to over it mm-hmm. um yeah i like this episode a lot do you like it i do yeah, yeah actually i quite like this one um we have not yet done the thing where i say which uh, uh which um cosplayer yeah yeah, which yeah. Out- outfit? Outfit, yeah. Because each episode, you've wanted to, um, you've wanted to choose an outfit of a random character on screen mm-hmm. for one that you would like to cosplay, perhaps at a future prisoner convention. So, which, uh, which is did <laughs> your head? Your real life head cannon has gone a lot farther than that than mine. I just wanted, you know, choose the 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 one episode, the one outfit from each episode that I would most like to cosplay yes. if I were to cosplay and outfit from this episode um costume yeah an outfit yeah yeah mm-hmm. um so for this one yes it is going to be uh the woman who ends up being number two so oh really yes which outfit the just the the well because pretty much all the way through she's wearing that cute little like blue um it's like a blue dress it's got a little bit of white kind of lace-ish or something that's lining uh, the the sleeves and pockets and stuff I think uh, very very sensible shoes they're flats mm-hmm. they're also blue that match the uh, match the dress but the most important parts of the ensemble are I want to be doing it at the the point in the episode where she is wearing both the hat which is key that like little white sailor's hat right. that that right there worth the price of admission but but it gets even better when she is. Uh, she's getting yelled at by number six who wants a drink of real alcohol yeah. and throws his glass on the floor and she bundles him out of there and as she's leaving uh, somebody hands her coat when she puts on that coat that is when things really come together <laughs> because that is a great coat it's like a nice white sort of trench coaty looking thing and with the hat and the trench coat and sensible shoes with a nice dress underneath it that is an outfit you know what mm-hmm. I would not even need to co- like cosplay that at a prisoner no. convention I could wear that that get up to work and I totally would. If somebody has those clothes, please send them to me. I'm usually a size eight, ten, something like that. I I was I'm surprised a little bit just because I think when you signaled, mm-hmm. oh, I think I found my my outfit that I want to cosplay as. Um, it was a moment when she wasn't on screen, and oh. so I thought you had seen another one in the background mm-hmm. somewhere in a crowd scene. Nope. And so I like that you don't tell me, by the way, until mm-hmm. recording. That's oh, that's yeah. one thing that I look forward to. So <laughs> so I'm intrigued. That, I think it might have been a maid's outfit, though, that she was wearing, isn't it? It is kind of. Certainly it looks very maid-ish at the, at the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's it, I mean, it's, it's a servant's outfit, mm-hmm. sort of, not necessarily just a maid's, uh, which, which is fine. It's not 
over the top. It's not like a French made costume, like the kind that you see on, you know, Yvette in, uh, in Clue, mm-hmm. where it's super low cut and super short and stuff and obnoxious. It's, uh, it's just, it's sensible. It's functional. It is. It's very functional. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really like the coat. Like that coat you can wear with a lot of things. True. Mm-hmm. Anything else about free for all? I feel like that was, uh, that was about it. Okay. Did, wait, one question. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the end when she's pushing all the buttons and stuff and the chairs and stuff are going up and down <laughs> yeah. and yeah. So number six never sits in the chair, which, right? He that does, was my question. Does. Did he, he, he uh Once after she slaps him around, he sort of like stumbles back, that's sits right. in the chair, spins around and that's when he goes, they're free to go, free to go. That's when he does that. Got it. Okay, okay. I couldn't, because re- I couldn't remember. That was my question. Yeah. Was that, yeah, so he never sits in the chair during the time where he's still sort of in in charge and they're just playing with the buttons and stuff and, and I thought it was interesting that she just kept hitting buttons and was just being very weird and then you see as soon as he is starting to look a little bit whacked out and just sort of spaced her face changes completely before before the actual reveal yeah. she really reveals herself because at that point it doesn't matter anymore <laughs> really good actress I think she did a great job yeah she is really good. I can't remember her name. Oh, Rachel Herbert, I think is her name. Um, or yeah, Herbert is the name. Um, I will point out something that uh, I was I was watching the um, the making of documentary when you weren't here because I know you didn't want to watch that before the whole uh, series and uh, a movie that came out in 1949, which was about a spy who apparently defects or crosses over from one side to the other. Um, that apparently featured the, now the guy in the in the documentary says the last line of the film is somebody saying be seeing you yeah. I actually found the film on YouTube the last mm-hmm. line is not be seeing you so I don't know what he's talking about but maybe it said somewhere in the film perhaps he, perhaps McGowan saw that and and thought the whole theme of that movie perhaps might work as a TV series but interesting to note that two people who were in that where one was Nadia Gray, who played Nadia in Chimes of Big Ben. Ah. She played the uh, the spy who came in. The, the movie's called The Spider and the Fly, by the way. And the main, I think one of the main uh, secret agents in that was one Eric Portman, who played number two in this episode. Ah, I, I liked him as yeah. a number two. I thought he was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, that's my... Yes? I just, that's, that is fascinating. Yeah. How this show ties in with other shows and other media and... You know, I, the more I think about it, the more I really want to see um, Patrick McGowan's series from before this. Danger Man. Danger Man or Secret Agent Man, right? Yeah, one of the two. Yeah, okay. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm really curious. Might have to track it down somehow. Mm-hmm. We'll do a podcast about it, though. That's just way too much. No, we're not doing a podcast. We can't do a podcast. We're not do- Listen, we watched like five seasons of Midsummer Murders and there's no podcast coming for that. We no. just want, no. No, 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 no. I am agreeing. No, we okay, are not good, doing a podcast good. about Midsummer Murders. Okay, good. Well, we'll talk offline about Danger Man once we finish this and we'll see what we think. Oh, no. Or, or we might be divorced by then, but just be judging by the look on his face. We'll see. Next episode of this podcast. <laughs> is the schizoid man which aired fifth in the uk and thus we'll be talking about it fifth on this podcast um so yeah look forward to that one i look forward to that one and so much more be seeing you be seeing you